Welcome back to WBAI 99.5 FM. This is Driving Forces, where each week we focus on the big issues in city, state, and national politics that matter to you. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, joined every week by my wonderful co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston. How are you doing today, Celeste? I'm doing good, Jeff. Glad to be back on the radio with you. It was a, a tough week when I, I had to live without you, or a cuff a tough couple of weeks, maybe, but uh, I feel much better now. That should have affected your song selection of the week. I'm sure there's some uh, some songs out there about separation anxiety. Yeah, well, I, we just played Crying by Roy Orbison <laughs> over and over again for the entire hour, actually. So I'm sure, like you, well, like me, you have been following the news this week. Uh, you know, there's so much going on, but I have become obsessed once again, having just read the book Premonition, in fact, uh, about the rise in cases uh, of COVID-19 based on the Delta variant. Uh, you know, what, what's been what's been your take on what's been happening, Celeste? Yeah, I think that seeing and just reading some of the some of the news reports out there, I think reading some coverage, particularly about what's going on in places like Alabama, where they're describing this situation where this is becoming, I think the phrase is a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And looking at people uh, reading some of those quotes, it's really heartbreaking. I think one of the pieces I saw was um, a doctor being quoted uh talking about patients who were in these ICU beds begging for the vaccine and telling her, you know, having to tell them it's too late. I'm sorry, but it's too late. Or people realizing that they should have taken the pandemic more seriously. And I think, look, as, as we've been going through this for a long time now, what a year and a half, right? At least. And people are sick of it. People want to get back to their normal lives. People don't want to wear masks anymore. Or you look around and you're like, ah, people, uh, you know, aren't getting as sick as they used to. And maybe it's, maybe it's, it'll just magically go away. And I think we can all remember somebody who told us it would once in one day magically go away. Obviously, you know, something like 600,000 people or more dead in the United States from this uh, vaccine. It's not going away. And in fact, uh, considering that the Delta variant is now uh, emerging as the most serious threat in the city. It could be even getting worse. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing this not just in New York City. We're seeing this uh, across the country. We're also seeing a shift in tone, a shift in what's being said by many Republican legislators. And we're going to get to that throughout the show with our first guest, who's going to be on in just a few moments, uh, as well as our second guest coming up later in the show will be the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene Commissioner Dave Choksi. Uh, but first, we're going to bring you a conversation to talk about what's going on on a national level. Uh, it's been fascinating to watch this abrupt turn uh, you know, and, and that it comes uh, as several fully vaccinated individuals on the Hill tested positive for the virus is really telling. There's this growing unease in Washington as well. And from what we've seen and what Celeste and I have read, about half the members of the House are wearing masks again on the floor. But there are still many dozens of House GOP members who say they're not going to get vaccinated. So with that, we're going to get to our, our first guest, uh, a good friend of ours, someone who's been on the show before, Jonathan Capehart. You may recognize him from MSNBC. 
NBC or his byline from the Washington Post. He is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, a member of the Washington Post editorial board, where he writes about politics and social issues. He hosts the Cape Up podcast. He's the host of the Sunday show with Jonathan Capehart on MSNBC, which unfortunately is the exact same time as my other show here on WBAI on Sundays at 10, so I have to record him. And recently, it was just announced that he will, in August, be starting to host a new show on MSNBC's Peacock channel called The Washington Post's First Look with Jonathan Capehart. With that, let's get to our first guest. Jonathan, welcome back to Driving Forces. Jeff and Celeste, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. So let us get right to it. Today's topic, COVID-19 and the Delta variant. We're seeing this change in tone in Washington about vaccinations. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, it's a change in tone in that um, you have Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who went out there and said, uh, I got vaccinated, you should get vaccinated. Um, You have the House... um, Steve Scalise, I'm blanking, um, blanking on his specific title within the House leadership, but he's the number two from Louisiana, and he um, just got vaccinated, let everyone know he got vaccinated on Sunday, last Sunday. You have folks on Fox News who are, um, compared to what they've been doing for the last year and a half, changing their tune on, you know, whether people should get vaccinated. Sean Hannity going out of his way to, you know, to tell people to believe the science, trust the science, go get vaccinated. Um, unfortunately, the one person who could possibly have an impact on all this, Donald Trump, hasn't said anything. Um, and I sometimes wonder if he, at this point, if, even if he did say something, would that have uh, any kind of impact? But look, you know, I'll, I will take any of the changes of heart that have been happening on the conservative side, Republican side, um, rather have them than not have them because, you know, right now, this is as the CDC director, CDC director Walensky said, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is also a a pandemic that's disproportionately impacting people of color. Um, But it's also an epidemic, a pandemic that's affecting um, largely red states or states with Republican leadership. And if we are ever, as a nation, going to move beyond where we are now, debating whether we should be going back to wearing masks and fearing that we might have to go on lockdown again, if we're going to get past that, everybody has to start believing the science, getting vaccinated, so that we can all be in the free and clear. I think that's a really good point. And Jonathan, always great to hear your voice uh, on WBAI or elsewhere. Uh, I just I want to stick with Trump for just a second, because, you know, it, it's sort of interesting to me that there's this weird dichotomy, like he's not out there encouraging people to get that vaccine yet uh, more than a few times. I think he's sort of taken credit. I think at one point he even sort of personally took credit for developing the vaccine, uh, which I'm not quite sure is right. But to be fair, I think Operation Warp Speed, getting the vaccine in motion, in development, in production, I I think you do have to give uh, the Trump administration some credit for for getting that going. Um, I'm wondering, do you think that 
uh, maybe Republican leaders at the state level, the congressional level, are they waiting for him to say something? Do you think that might be part of the, the hesitancy there or the the silence? Or do you think it's something else? Do they just think the vaccine is is uh, not uh, a real way to fight the virus? Well, we don't have enough time, Celeste, for you and I to argue over whether Donald Trump, how much credit he should get for Operation Warp Speed. I'd rather... You know, give the credit to the scientists and Pfizer and J&J and all the other folks. But, you know, look, I think the higher you go on the, you know, the elected official scale, um, the the fewer and fewer people you are going to find talking publicly uh, out there about this. I think as you get closer to the ground in the states and in communities, responsible leaders are saying things and doing things and trying to get their people to do the right thing. I think, you know, Donald Trump in his zest and zeal and folks around him, you know, desperate to get him to get some kind of credit uh, for the fact that the vaccines are out there. I sort of roll my eyes at that because there we would not be in this situation had then President Donald Trump taken the, the, the coronavirus seriously from the start and then encouraged people to get tested and then encouraged people to take the vaccine and most importantly, not tell people on a daily basis, sometimes hourly, that this was a hoax and a hoax perpetrated on us by China. Yeah, I mean, to, to be clear, I am not, and I, we talked about it also, you know, earlier in the program, like uh, the idea that this thing would magically go away or that wouldn't be yeah. beautiful to see the churches packed on Easter uh, at the height of the pandemic or at the, the near peak of the pandemic. There's no question about that. But, uh, you know, considering that he is a guy who has tried to take a lot of credit for it, to hear him suddenly go silent on it is is interesting uh, to me. That uh, I haven't particularly known him in the past twenty or twenty-five years or so as a a guy who has a problem with blowing his own horn. Right. Well, you know what? So that's here's the thing. Imagine if he still had a Twitter account. If he still had a Twitter account, you wouldn't have to ask that question. He would be on there every day. I don't know why they won't give me credit for these vaccines. I don't know why they won't give me credit for all the lives saved. I mean, he couldn't care less about the people who haven't gotten vaccinated. What he wants, above all else, is the pat on the back, the aw gee thanks. And, you know, quite honestly, there are a few hundred thousand Americans who lost their lives um, because a sociopath was in the White House and refused to do anything to save lives when it was needed most. So, Jonathan, it's it's interesting you mentioned Twitter because, you know, one of the things I've been following is this war on social media suddenly. You know, Trump, of course, has been uh, completely frustrated with social media, not because he can't use it as much as he or as he had. And now there is uh, a movement uh, towards uh, towards going after social media for fueling misinformation that's out there. We just saw today U.S. Senators Amy Klobuchar and Ben Ray Lujan introduce legislation to hold digital platforms uh, accountable for spreading this. Why suddenly has this started right now? I don't know if it's if it's fair to say suddenly, because um, 
you know, social media companies, the tech companies have been in the crosshairs, have been on the radar of Congress for a while now. Remember, during the 2020 election, it was about misinformation and disinformation, um, you know, during the presidential campaign. Now it's, it's moved away from lies being, political lies being spread during the presidential campaign to scientific lies being, and misinformation and disinformation being spread um, about the coronavirus. And I think Congress, and <clears throat> Senator Klobuchar in particular, she is, she is laser-focused on this, has been trying to get Congress and the country, to be quite frankly, into the 21st century when it comes to dealing with tech companies and particularly with um, social media companies because of their outsized influence on politics, on culture, on the way we live and talk and disseminate information, it far exceeds anything that Congress could have have contemplated the last time they looked at um, uh, tech regulation. I'm curious, Jonathan, and you're familiar with, with, uh, you know, sort of messaging and, and, you know, public, uh, you know, public policy and influencing public policy. Just, it's a super basic question, and I'm sure if somebody could answer it, they would have already. Like, what is it gonna take? What is it going to take to convince people who have uh, access to the vaccine but have not taken it yet to do it because I sort of feel like unfortunately uh, President Biden can be out there all he wants and he is encouraging people to get vaccinated but it's you know a lot of times it's precisely the people who don't want to hear anything from Joe Biden uh, who are the same people who are not getting the vaccine like who needs to deliver the message and what's going to make them do that I don't know if it's, you know, the fact that it's, you know, Joe Biden saying, please go take the vaccine. From the interviews I've seen and read in the papers and seen on television, it's just people who are just dug in in their position. Um, I think what it's going to take, and there's that heartbreaking story um, that people have been talking about all week out of Alabama about the, the doctor who says, you know, just before she said, wrote about how just before she intubates someone, they beg her, can I please get the vaccine? And she says, no, I'm sorry, it's too late. And then family members, you know, she says to the family members when she knows the time of death, please go get, honor, honor their memory by going to get vaccinated. And um, they tell her, we thought this was, we thought this was political. We thought this was a hoax. To answer your question, Celeste, I think it, what, what it takes is someone dying in the life of someone who is vaccine hesitant or uh, vaccine denial, in vaccine denial. I think that's where, where we have come to. And I pray to God that we don't have a fall like we had a winter, you know, in the early part of the pandemic, particularly what we saw in New York City, where it's just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people getting coronavirus and then dying of coronavirus. I hope we don't get there. But in the end, it is always the personal connection that changes hearts and the, the most intractable hearts and minds. 
And you raise a good point. I do want to bring up something you and I had just connected earlier today in preparation for the show. I'd love our listeners to know about uh, you know, the story you had told me about how this impacted your work, a special show that you had planned for earlier this week with a number of legislators from Texas. Oh, yeah. So we were supposed to have this MSNBC special presentation, you know, the Texas Democrats, you know, talking about voting rights. They're all here in Washington. Um, we were going to have all 55, 56 of them in studio. Uh, I was going to anchor the special report. It was supposed to be Monday night at 10 o'clock live here in Washington. And then Saturday afternoon, I get this, phone, this text message, where are you? Need to talk to you. Major changes get on the phone and i'm told at that point three of the texas democrats had contracted had tested positive for coronavirus and they were pulling down the special as we had planned it and the special ended up happening lawrence o'donnell whose hour the special was going to be in anyway lawrence o'donnell and i co-anchored the special um, and we still did interviews with members of the Texas delegation, but there we had, you know, the sort of the confluence of all of these, all of these events and all of these stories that are capturing the imagination here in Washington, but around the country, Texas Democrats denying a quorum in the in the state legislature there over their anger over a voting rights bill, come to Washington to plead with Congress and the president to do something about the For the People Act to get it passed. They're going around meeting with members of Congress, the vice president of the United States, and then coronavirus intrudes on everything. And also the thing for folks to remember, all of those members, all of those Texas Democrats were fully vaccinated. And so now the story ratchets up, holy smokes, fully breakthrough cases of coronavirus among the fully vaccinated. So it is it, you know, Monday was was a bit of a whirlwind, but I am glad we were able to still do that special because we not only, you know, put a focus uh, a spotlight on breakthrough infections and the coronavirus with an interview with the Surgeon General, Surgeon General Murphy, but we still plowed ahead and talked with Texas Democrats about what the stakes are in Texas, what they mean for uh, American voters at the national level, and and also tying it into the one-year anniversary of the passing of Congressman John Lewis, who gave his life, was beaten almost to death many times for his civil rights work in the in the 50s and the 60s, his push for voting rights. And to have that still happening 60 years, almost 60 years later shows just how important it is, uh, how important voting rights, how important voting rights are, but how important it is for us to stay vigilant in the protection of not only voting rights, but our democracy. And if you haven't read it, you should definitely read Jonathan Capehart's uh, opinion piece, uh, read some of his thoughts on voting rights today in the Washington Post. Uh, Jonathan, I know you uh, you are coming to the end of your time here with us, and we appreciate you uh, having on the show. Just real quickly, what do you think is going to happen next with voting rights, with the For the People Act? Do you think that uh, it's going to happen? Will there be some consensus? Are we too distracted with 
COVID and and lots of other things right now, what do you, what do you see uh, if, you know the road ahead there looking like? Nothing is going to happen on voting rights unless something is done with the filibuster, and I don't see them doing anything on the filibuster anytime soon. And with that, Jonathan, where can our listeners go if they want to learn more about you and your work and obviously see you on TV? Oh, go to WashingtonPost.com backslash Cape Up. It has my entire archive there of interviews with all sorts of politicians and artists and, and newsmakers, and you'll also find my columns. And you should really read the column that I have out this afternoon about voting rights. The first three paragraphs alone are worth that worth your time. <laughs> Jonathan Capehart of the Washington Post and MSNBC, thank you so much for joining us today here on Driving Forces. Always a pleasure, and definitely uh, reminding people to check out Cape Up and all the rest of your great work. Great, thank you. Thanks, Celeste. Thanks, Jeff. Thank Thank you you so much, Jonathan. So uh, we do have another guest coming up. Just got a text. He will. They're going to try to get him in still. He's been pulled into an urgent meeting. We'll try to find out what that's about, too. Uh, But coming up, hopefully shortly, will be the uh, New York City Health Commissioner, Dave Choksi. He's been on the show before talking about uh, coronavirus, and we're going to ask him a little about the the Delta variant. And later in the show, we do want to hear from you, our listeners, uh, in the second half of the show about your thoughts on everything that's going on and what we're talking about with Jonathan, but also just your views on the Delta variant, on social media, if you agree or disagree that it's spreading misinformation. That number to call later on during the show will be 212-209-2877. Celeste, any uh, thoughts on what Jonathan was talking about? You know, what I, I think, Jeff, what really sort of jumped out at me is that, you know, coronavirus has disrupted our lives and our work in so, so many ways. And just the idea that uh, he was trying to have a special, I mean, there's something really, really serious going on, a sort of an elemental battle over voting rights and liberty going on in the state of Texas. And uh, he's just trying to do a television program about it. And it's getting all blown up and screwed up and delayed and so on because of COVID. COVID is, is keeping people from not only living their lives, but doing important work, the things that get sort of laid aside uh, because of and during this pandemic, all those things are going to have really longstanding ramifications. And it's it's sort of scary to think about, uh, you know, sort of what are we missing, not just in terms of having fun and seeing our families and our friends and traveling and, and doing stuff that we want to do, but, you know, in terms of all the other things that get uh, that get uh, sort of laid aside because of of the pandemic it's it's kind of painful to be honest with you it's really it was i'm glad that you brought up that that um experience that jonathan capehart had jeff because you know i think that's really emblematic of the kind of stuff that's getting delayed and deferred because of covid oh yeah there's so much going on so much to digest i mean a few things this afternoon uh that have developed uh national football league if you're a sports fan like celeste National Football League games cannot be rescheduled and canceled due to a COVID-19 
um, if they cannot be rescheduled and if, if they're canceled due to a COVID-19 outbreak, that team will have to forfeit and will be credited with a loss. The other key thing that happened, Fox News now is producing another PSA urging its viewers to get vaccinated. What a big change this is from last year. Wow, wow, wow. That's uh, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, the... Uh, watching trying to do like a, a, a heat map or a graph or something of uh, people's attitudes and people's behaviors towards the virus uh, you know if you think back it really wasn't that long ago I mean for me sort of the uh, the thing that I remember was when we were starting to hear more about it and literally thinking to myself wow uh, we might have to talk about this on the radio is it COVID or COVID I mean, just being so ignorant about what was this thing? Is this going to be a big deal? And obviously, very early on. But uh, I think we may have somebody uh, who's able to join us to talk about more about the situation uh, in, uh, in the city. And so uh, the commissioner was pulled into an urgent meeting, but and so he's not going to be able to make it in time for the show. But stepping in for him, and trust me, I've had to do this for my bosses before at the last second. I really appreciate that he's taking the time to talk with us, uh, to give us uh, the latest on the Delta variant and cases in the city is Patrick Gallahue. He is the press secretary for the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Uh, I almost was going to say, Commissioner, welcome to Driving Forces. Welcome back. But Patrick, welcome to uh, Driving Forces here on WBAI today. Thanks so much, Jeff. Really appreciate it. And the commissioner sends his regrets. And, you know, and we prepared really tough questions for him, so we're going to have to do them with you as well. But more seriously, the variant is generating more cases in the city. Can you give us the latest on this and why we are seeing this? Sure. Um, so first is that the Delta variant is a more transit, transmissible, transmissible strain of the virus. And as of today, of the cases that we're sequencing, the Delta variant is making up 75% of the, of the specimens that we are identifying. So we're seeing it make up a greater and greater share, and that's compared to about uh, 69% last week, which was a fairly large uh, jump from the low 40s the week before. So it's, it's making up uh, a larger share of, of the COVID cases that are in New York City. Um, the science is still developing on this variant. Um, it is believed to be more transmissible. Um, and so uh, for the people who are not vaccinated, it presents a particularly great threat. Um, Patrick, are you? And thank you for jumping in on this. I know this was uh, was probably not your plan for this afternoon, but we do appreciate it, and I'm sure that BAI yeah, listeners appreciate the uh, the information. Um, I'm just curious, and I don't know if you have this information yet, but are we seeing any movement now that we are starting to see more reports of people coming down with the Delta variant, particularly, I assume, uh, unvaccinated people? Have we seen any uh, increase in interest among people who were not previously vaccinated in getting the vaccine? Are people seeing this as a, a sort of an actionable threat or or what are you seeing there? Well, that's a great question. You know, the the number of, of vaccinations um, plateaued for a bit. And so there was a lot of growth early on. And I think there was the, the so-called early adopters. Um, as it's moved on, it's, got, it's 
It's become less of the kind of thing that people are traveling to big vaccination sites for and more something that people are doing with their providers and at pharmacies and where they t- traditionally receive their health care. So I think there is hope. We hope the message is getting to New Yorkers that now is the most urgent time to get vaccinated. It is the worst time to be unvaccinated. Um, and, you know, we'll still see the numbers as it goes on. Um, but the scarier thing is that that of the people who are being hospitalized, it's almost entirely among unvaccinated people right now. Um, our colleagues at H&H said this morning that of the people coming into their system, it's predominant with, with COVID-19. It is overwhelmingly unvaccinated people. Are we seeing people coming down with it and getting seriously ill to the point where we are going to have to start worrying about uh, hospital capacity, about, uh, you know, our health care workers becoming even more taxed and, and strained? Because I think uh, in other places in the country, we are seeing um, a situation where uh, that kind of activity is starting to ramp up. And I think, unfortunately, uh, very unfortunately, people, particularly in New York City, remember what that was like. And when there were people being encouraged to um, to not go to an emergency room just because there was so much overflow, um, not to mention the, the unfortunate number of fatalities that we saw early in the pandemic. Well, the main thing about the vaccine and Dr. Choksi and Mayor de Blasio and Dr. Katz at Health and Hospitals have repeated this over and over again. Vaccine has prevented so much suffering in this city, and it can prevent even more. If there is any suffering still to be had, um, it is entirely avoidable with vaccine. And so if anyone has questions, reach out to your health care provider. Um, the city is has resources available um, for people. If they have questions, there's enormous amount of resources on the websites. But um, the important thing is that uh, the vaccine um, not only protects against the virus uh, overwhelmingly, is overwhelmingly protective against the virus. Um, It also prevents the worst outcomes that you just listed, such as going to the hospital, being on a ventilator, and, you know, possibly even leading to death. You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with my co-host Jeff Simmons. We're talking about coronavirus and uh, we are very lucky to have a uh, pinch-hitting guest. We have Patrick Gallagher of the New York City Department of uh, Health and Mental Hygiene. And Patrick, I wanted to ask you... um, you know, for some people, you mentioned that there's a lot of uh, information out there. People can talk to their doctor, and, and all of those things are true. And I really hope people are doing that. But what can you say about people who remain hesitant, people who just don't trust the vaccine? We've had some people uh, uh, who feel that way call into this program and say that they are suspicious of it or say that, um, you know, it's only under emergency authorization. It hasn't been fully tested. How do you convince people that this situation is dire enough to go ahead and get that shot? Well, that point you laid out that everybody has different reasons um, is an important one. And it starts with meeting people where they are. So in, in a lot of cases, people have had negative experiences with government and medicine. And so uh, trying to bring messengers to the communities who, who understand that experience, who have and share that lived experience is, is one big 
um, component of the response. Uh, certainly early on, there were issues around access. A lot of those have, have been overcome. Um, it is, is as easy as it's ever been to get vaccinated. Um, and if anyone has doubts about the vaccine, you know, we encourage them to reach out to their providers to, to hear about how it's safe and also to speak to people who've been vaccinated. Um, it's probably that point in the campaign where those one-on-one conversations are the things that make the biggest difference. Um, because each person has their own reasons, and it really comes down to that one-on-one conversation to be able to address them. So in case our listeners, Patrick, have not heard about this, there was some news this week. The mayor announced the city is implementing a new policy requiring healthcare workers to be vaccinated or get regularly tested. Who does this apply to and when does it start? Can you tell us a little about that? Sure. Um, So it goes into effect on August 2nd. It is a requirement. uh, The COVID safety requirement entails staff working in hospitals and clinics um, for uh, the Health and Hospitals Corporation or New York City Health and Hospitals, as well as the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene uh, to be vaccinated, to show proof of vaccination uh, upon returning to work or to receive a uh, weekly test and showing uh, the negative result of that test. Um, it'll cover uh, a little over 40,000 employees, um, and it's really put in place to be um, protective of uh, the staff, uh, their colleagues, and the people they serve. Um, you know, there's a mission to promote health in New York City at all of these institutions, uh, and it, it's really important that those uh, processes match the mission. Do you think that we may have to reinstitute a a mask mandate, that we wear masks indoors in public places? The single biggest thing we can do now is to get vaccinated. That is the thing that will protect New Yorkers the most. Uh, Masks have been a hugely protective um, intervention uh, to date up to this point. Uh, Masks have, uh, you know, they continue to be required in schools, on public transit, and in other locations where people are, um, large groups of people are together. Um, And if people continue to want to wear masks, um, then they should. Uh, You know, even if you're vaccinated and you want to wear a mask or you're going to a place uh, where where other unvaccinated people may be or you're not sure of the vaccinated status, the vaccination status of your company, then wear a mask. Um, But really the single greatest thing a person can do to protect themselves is to get vaccinated. Uh, as, a commission, as Dr. Choksi said this morning, run, don't walk. It is the single most uh, dangerous time to be unvaccinated. I don't want to single people out or single out a group of people, but um, Patrick, do you know, just from looking at the data, from getting updates, are there sort of hot spots, either geographically or demographically, uh, for uh, a surge of cases, particularly of the Delta variant, but of, of all kinds? I know that, um, you know, for a while the reports were that uh, initially it was people in nursing homes and elder care facilities who were getting sick, and they've seemed to have done a lot of vaccination. Then it became young people who wanted to like go out and party and have spring break and were infecting each other at bars and clubs and so on. Just curious, you know, um, are there uh, groups of people that you see experiencing a, a surge in cases right now? 
Um, you know, again, it, it really is among unvaccinated people. And so when you look at the, you know, we do publish data on our website, both of where cases are, you know, where we're seeing growth in cases and uh, the number of uh, percent positive, percent positivity among the tests that uh, have been taken. Um, and, you know, it generally matches where vaccination coverage is lower. Um, there are some geographic areas that it's a little bit greater than others. Um, and, you know, we've seen uh, some areas of Staten Island in particular being affected right now. Uh, but it is, but if the question is who, um, you know, there are certain groups that, that are, uh, that are, we're seeing affected. There's, you know, younger people in Staten Island and, and you know, in some other you know, parts of the city, but really uh, who they are or, or what is the common thread, it is the fact that they are not vaccinated. So, Patrick, we're running out of time. We want to really thank you for stepping in today to fill in for the commissioner. We hope uh, everything goes well with his meeting. If our listeners want to learn more about the city's efforts, uh, want to check out some of that data you've been talking about, where should they go? Um, by all means, anyone who wants to sign up to get vaccinated or to find out where they can get vaccinated, please dial 877-VAX for NYC. There is somebody there to help you um, whenever you want. Uh, and additionally, you can always get updates by signing up for, by texting 692-692. Um, they'll give you updates or um, you can always go to uh, nyc.gov backslash vaccine finder um, for more information or, you know, VCC, which is you know, just a, a shortened version of that. Patrick Gallahue, Press Secretary at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, thank you so much for appearing here today on WBAI. Anytime. Thanks so much. So you've been listening to Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM New York. I'm Jeff Simmons, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Les Katz-Marston. Today we're talking about the increase in COVID-19 cases across the country and here at home in New York City. We're going to take your calls next after a brief break. We want to know how you feel about what you've heard today from either Patrick or our earlier guest, Jonathan Capehart. Are you vaccinated? Why or why not? What obligation does social media have? What about our legislators? Call us in a few moments at 212-209-2877. Again, that number is 212-209-2877. And just want to take a moment to remind you that WBAI has been bringing you important conversations like this, important interviews with people who really affect uh, how our government works, how we live. We can only do that with your health. So please, please take a moment today. Go to WBAI.org and make as generous a donation as you possibly can to help support non-commercial, free speech, independent programming in New York City. You can become a member of the family, become a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite show, which of course is Driving Forces uh, with <laughs> Jeff Simmons and me, Celeste Katz-Marston, or it could be Jeff's other show, City Watch, but go to WBAI.org and uh, give as generously as you can. Just $25 or more makes you a member of the station, which gives you a lot of privileges. And also want to remind you, of course, that we are a 501c3 nonprofit, which means you can write off your contribution on your taxes. Do some good, get a tax break. How do you beat that? Just go to WBAI.org and click Ways to Donate. So we're going to be back in just a few minutes. Again, here is that number, 212 209 
888-344-2877. With that, we'll leave you with a little uh, song you might have heard of from the police. listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. That was Every Breath You Take by the Police. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with my co-host Jeff Simmons, who probably had that song playing at his prom or, you know, maybe (laughs) that song came out in the 80s. So you were what, like... 40, just, to, just, to, just, to, just to put in context, when, just to put in context, when I did see that uh, them live at, I think it was then called the Meadowlands Arena, opening for them was a little unknown group called the Go-Go's. Who? <laughs> this, oh my God, that's awesome. And I never got to see them live, which is a huge bummer. But speaking of live, we have plenty of live callers on the line. Get in on this act. 212-209-2877. We want to hear from you. 212-209-2877. And we're going to go to our first caller. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from today? My name is Frank and I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. What's going on today, Frank? Oh, first of all... I haven't heard a word about product liability. I can oh, in terms of the vaccine? And get a sandwich. And if I get sick or, God forbid, die, either if I don't die, I can sue. And if I do die, my estate can sue. 
why is there no mention of product liability? Well, I think that, and I don't know, you tell me what you think about this, Frank. I mean, I think that in the midst of a global pandemic, obviously, uh, the vaccines, plural, that we have to fight coronavirus had to be authorized on an emergency basis. Now, it is true that those vaccines haven't been around that long, and they haven't been tested the way other vaccines have been tested. But so far, at least, with some breakthroughs, thanks to some of the variants, but in general, they have proven to be highly effective. And now that we are in a situation where the data shows that the people who are getting sick are the people who have not had the vaccine. Does that change? I understand what you're saying about product liability, but um, at some point, you know, there's there's risk involved no matter what you do. You don't get the vaccine, you could get super sick. You do get the vaccine, you're taking um, a drug, you're injecting something in your body that you don't know as much about as you would for other common vaccines. Uh, you know, how do you make that calculation? These are the same governmental authorities that assured us after 9-11, you can go back into that area and work, go to school, etc., etc. And now law firms on every television station, radio station, are talking about 9-11 cancers and this and that and the other. Right. So, no, I understand what you're saying. Is there, and I have just one more question for you. Is there anything that would convince you? Uh, have you, you, you don't have to tell me if you've been vaccinated, but you can if you want to. But, um, do you think there's anything that would convince people as we're in, still in the grips of the pandemic to take the vaccine or is there just nothing convincing about my that? ability or my estate's ability to be compensated for the one life that I could lose by using that product, this idea of emergency product, and therefore they're getting paid, but they have no liability. Okay, no, I understand. And thank you, Frank, for your call. We, we do appreciate it. Thank you very much. So we're going to get to our next call. And you are now on air at WBAI 99.5 FM here with Celeste Katz, Marston, and myself, Jeff Simmons. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and where are you from? John from Connecticut. Hi, John. What's on your mind today? Well, based on your last caller, look, I, I understand there's there's a risk reward. Okay, so if um, you know the product liability aside, which is a very interesting point, but nonetheless, um, if you don't feel you're at risk, okay, I don't understand why I would inject myself with a vaccine that has not even be has not been FDA approved and really does not have a long track record of proof that there's no side effects. So let me give you an example. I have a 17-year-old daughter, extremely healthy, works out every day, okay? And the statistics tell me that people 18 and under who have no comorbidities and are very healthy, okay, are at basically no risk of any catastrophic event associated with COVID. Now, those are statistics. Those are, that's proof. Why would I have my daughter get a vaccine given those facts? You are not going to take a risk unless the benefit outweighs the risk. And as far as I'm concerned, it does not. Okay. So, and, and thanks for your call. I guess the, you know, the question becomes for each individual person, how much risk do you bear and um, how much of that 
you know, how much of a gamble do you want to take? And I think that one thing that we should mention before we go to our next call is that people can make individual decisions. However, however, vaccination is a decision that you make not just based on your own situation and your own personal interests, but on the, the interests and the safety of those around you. Right. Uh, do you do you think it's fair for um, healthcare workers to be able to refuse a vaccine when they are around people who might be immunocompromised, uh, might have uh, conditions that make them more subject to getting extremely sick, uh, extremely quickly? Uh, you know, I think that one thing that we should talk about is when you make the choice about vaccine and you can make a choice uh, if it's not mandated by your employer or by the government or something, you know, are you making a a choice that affects not only you, but your grandparents, your spouse, your children, your relatives, your co-workers, and your friends. So I think we're going to go to our next caller. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, my name's Eric. I'm calling from Williamsburg. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm 80 years old. I'm very happy I'm fully vaccinated. I did it not just to protect me, but to protect other people. I believe everyone has that responsibility. And by the way, people will be compensated after you read all the papers they give you. If you have any health problems of any sort, although very unusual after you're vaccinated, they will give you medical care to do that. You can't get rich suing them, but you will get the medical care. That's a fact people should know. The other thing I want to raise is the person who's most anti-vax happens to be a person on WBAI telling all sorts of misinformation. His name is Gary Null. He sounds at this point in his life as though he's psychotic. He lies all the time. And I think BAA has responsibility for, for it. And I wish those people who are rational, I know one person has already challenged him, that's Joanna Fernandez in the morning program, who's a brilliant woman and a wonderful woman. And I think Gary Null should be taken off the air, or if not, he should be silenced. I don't care how much money he raises for the station. Eric, and I want to thank you for giving us a call. And, for, uh, you know, one thing that I want to let our listeners know is we do appreciate all opinions here. And so I am glad when people, you know, when they agree with us or when they disagree with us, we want to hear what's on your mind. So thank you for weighing in on, on our programming. It's the type of programming you won't get anywhere else. We've got another call or two. We've only got about two, three minutes left. So we're going to kind of get through these quickly. Uh, welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What is your name and where are you from? Hi, this is Lisa from Westchester. How are you? Hi, Lisa. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind today? Thanks. Um, so the health person, secretary that you had, they are so condescending. If they want people to take the vaccine, they need to stop being so condescending. It isn't about, like, oh, we need to see people die around us. So 650,000 people died in, 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 in the country, and we didn't see people die around us. We saw it. Here's the thing. First of all, why is anybody dying from COVID now? When we have a cocktail cure that was used on Trump, that was said already that they could use that. Nobody talks about that. We should either be having a cocktail cure for folks who didn't get vaccinated and get into the hospital or people who want to be vaccinated. But it's a choice. Everybody should have a choice of what goes in your body. 
it's not an easy decision. So when people choose not to make uh, take the vaccine, it isn't because we don't agree with science. It isn't, but it doesn't make sense, and there's a lot about it that doesn't make sense. So it shouldn't be. You cannot continue to speak to people condescendingly with all this rhetoric and think that we're going to buy into this. That that pushes us further away. So if you want to start to get folks to maybe consider it once, you should have health care for the rest of your life instead of instead of tricking people, you know, kids who need to go to school and say, oh, there's a lottery and we'll send you to school for free or we'll give you $100. Why don't we tell people you got free health care because we don't know everything about this vaccine for the rest of your life so we make sure we handle this because this is how much we're okay with the vaccine. But if not, we got, we've got... Um, medical care for everyone so everybody is okay these are some of the things that really oh lisa i want to thank you for calling in i'm only cutting you off because we've only got what we've got one more call we're going to try to squeeze in uh and then we have to wrap up but lisa thank you for giving us a call and sharing your opinion final caller you are on wbai welcome you've got just one minute left want to hear your opinion what's your name and what's on your mind okay my name is africa from north new jersey hey it's four to one it's supposed to be the people's station. The people don't want the vaccine, not because we're against science, because we don't trust corrupt politicians who are administrating their own vaccine. We don't trust the politicians. They're bored. Our system is corrupt, and you too know that. You know our politicians are bought by money. We just saw somebody go to space while people don't have health care, and because the politicians give them tax breaks to allow the rich to continue to do what they want to do. People don't trust these officials and what they're saying. That's why they're not taking the vaccines. You want people to take the vaccines, create um, institutions that it's not about money, that your life doesn't depend on how how much money you have to survive. Like the woman just said, Trump took the cocktail, it's a lie. People out here dying because they don't have no money. And we don't trust the government. We don't trust Fauci. We don't trust nobody in government because we know, the people know, our government is bought and paid for. This is the most corrupt country in the world, and it corrupts all other nations. So, like, if you're going to be on WBAI speaking to the people, speak for the people. Because the people are for the one. They don't want the vaccine. Stop trying to tell our kids they can't go to school, they can't go in public places. We can survive. Don't take the corrupt government's vaccine. Okay, well, thank you. And I'm, I'm sorry to have to, we, we are really running out of time. So I'm sorry to have to cut you off. I would just, and look, I understand some people don't want to take the vaccine. I understand that some people don't know enough about it. They don't trust the government. There's a historical precedence for why people should be, uh, you know, um, wary of, of what they put in their bodies and who is giving it to them. I would just add that, uh, right now there are 162 million fully vaccinated people in the United States, according to the latest statistics. So I would not say it's entirely true that nobody wants the vaccine. Um, you know, we certainly have questions about it, but um, and you know, you have to calculate your your own personal risk reward uh, equation there. But it, it is absolutely not true that people are are en masse rejecting a vaccine that demonstrably is preventing people from getting super sick and dying. And uh, Jeff, if you want to give us a, a, a moment to uh, just let us know what you have coming up on your next programs, just uh, obviously we'll we'll be coming back to this one, I think. I do want to thank all of our callers today, including this gentleman and Eric, John, Frank, and Lisa. Also our guests, Jonathan Capehart and Patrick Gallahue. Coming up this Sunday on WBAI's City Watch at 10 a.m., I will be focusing on 
disability rights. The next day is the anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. I'll talk with Kathy Martinez, President and CEO of Disability Rights Advocates, also former Assistant Secretary for the Office of Disability Employment Policy at the Department of Labor. Also, Judy Human, you may recognize her from the recent Netflix uh, Oscar-nominated movie Crip Camp. She was President Obama's first special advisor for international disability rights at the U.S. Department of States and has a book out called Being Human, an Unrepentant Memoir of a Disability Rights Activist. So I want to thank you for listening to today's edition of Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. We upload every edition of our program to SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher so you can subscribe and never miss a show. Don't forget to check us out also on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks to our engineer, Reggie, and thanks to our great guests. We'll see you on the radio. <laughs>